You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. everyone. I hope you're doing as well as can be expected. This week, we're looking at a question that's coming up increasingly. And it's the question of what happens when you turn up for work as normal, only to find that your employer has decided to close the business. As we start to hear rumblings of going back to work from the government, There are two different scenarios that you need to be aware of when your employer is looking at when or even whether you should go back to work. When the government tells you that lockdown is over, your expectation is that you should be able to go back to work. So there are two important scenarios I want to talk about today. The first scenario I want to talk about What if your employer tells you that you cannot come back to work because the business isn't ready for you? Because let's say, for example, whilst the business has been closed, there's been a flood or a fire or there's no work for you. Remember, you're not furloughed anymore. Once the government draws a line under the furlough scheme, the expectation is that your employer has a contractual obligation to pay you. Your contract hasn't ended and you're still employed by the company by law. If there's no work available for you or something has happened to the business like a flood or a fire or any other problem at work that shuts down the company, then in employment rights terms, this situation will likely result in you being officially laid off. And being laid off is different to being furloughed. If your employer has to lay you off, then unless you've signed a contract of employment, giving your employer the right to lay you off without pay, or you've expressly consented to being laid off without pay, which means that you've given your verbal or written consent to be laid off without pay, then your employer must pay you your normal pay for the period you're laid off. And if the employer fails to pay you, then you can claim against your employer for unlawful deductions from your wages. Or you can claim against your employer for breaching the terms of your contract Or if you decide to resign because you haven't been paid your wages, then you can claim constructive dismissal on the grounds that a failure of your employer to honour your contract is a fundamental breach of the contract of employment. So it's really important to pay attention to that particular scenario. Now, generally in the main, what's tended to happen in the past, is that when a disaster strikes the company, the company then tries to consult with the workers 
and usually an agreement is reached as to how the workers will be laid off and what kinds of payments the workers will receive whilst they're laid off. And so it's a matter of making sure that you're aware that you can't just be laid off without pay. The second scenario is what happens if your employer tells you that the business is no longer going to reopen and you're going to be made redundant. What happens? In this situation, your employer might own or manage the company and therefore has the right to close the company. But irrespective of this right, your employer has responsibilities to treat you fairly and follow the correct process for ending your employment, which should be done using a redundancy process, which also includes the responsibility of the employer to think about any alternatives that may be available to making you redundant. Being made redundant is different to being laid off. Redundancy is dismissal from your job, which happens because your employer needs to reduce the workforce or for other reasons, which can include new technology or new systems of working that has made your job unnecessary or that the job you were employed to do no longer exists or there being a need to cut business costs, which means staff numbers must be reduced or that the business is closing down or moving to a new location. Now, once you hear your employer say that you're being made redundant, you need to be aware that there are two different redundancy processes that your employer must follow, both of which depend on the number of employees your employer is planning to cut from the business. If your employer is making fewer than 20 people redundant, in one establishment, then this is classed as an individual redundancy. And all your employer has to do is to meet with those individuals at least once. And if you're in that, then your employer needs to meet with you to tell you about the closure plans. At that meeting, you should expect to find out why your employer needs to make people redundant and how your employer will choose people for redundancy. You should also get to know how long your employer will take to make the decision about who is going to be made redundant and when the redundancy meetings will take place, if there are going to be any further meetings. But you should also get to know why you have been chosen for redundancy and how you're able to appeal if you believe you've been unfairly chosen and what other jobs may be available to you in the company that could mean that you don't have to be made redundant. Now, because these types of redundancies of less than 20 people are very much left to run how the employer wants to run them, if you believe the decision to choose you for redundancy is unfair, it's best to say so at the earliest opportunity so your employer knows how you feel about being made redundant. Moving on to the second process, 
If your employer is making more than 20 people redundant in one establishment within a 90 day period, this is a different kind of redundancy and is called a collective redundancy. And for this type of redundancy, there is a more stringent process that your employer must follow, not may, but must follow. Now, collective redundancies generally occur when there's a business or building closure, meaning your employer no longer needs as many employees, or there's a reorganisation of the business, or a loss or relocation of work or workers to another part of the business, or there's a dramatic scaling down of the business in order to save money. If your employer is thinking about collective redundancies, then your employer, again, must, not may, but must consult with everyone who's going to be affected by the redundancies and must also speak to the people whom the employees choose to represent them in the redundancy negotiations. Some of the people you may choose to represent you are representatives from a workers' council, for example, or trade union representatives. Now, if your employer doesn't consult with your representatives, then this may be a breach of your employment rights, and you may be able to claim at an industrial tribunal for what's called a protective award. And this is an award that gives you up to 90 days pay. If this happens to you, there's a time limit of three months minus one day for bringing a protective award claim at an employment tribunal. And that time limit starts on the date the last person who was dismissed within the 90 day period had their contract ended. And what that means is that if the employer starts making people redundant, let's say about the 1st of June, and the last person is made redundant on the 1st of September, then the clock for an Employment Tribunal Protective Award would start running from the 1st of September and not the 1st of June, because the last person will have been dismissed within that 90-day period on the 1st of September. So it's important to bear that time limit in mind. In a collective redundancy procedure, your employer is expected to use a fair and objective way of selecting people to make redundant. And it should be based on evidence that identifies why one worker is being chosen and not another. If, however, your employer bases the decision to end your job by focusing on how they feel about you, for example, this way of deciding who should be made redundant would not be considered a fair process. And again, you might be able to make a claim at an employment tribunal for breach of your employment rights because you have the right not to be unfairly selected for redundancy. 
The law does not allow your employer to choose you for redundancy just because your employer doesn't like you. Similarly, it would be wrong for your employer to use the redundancy process to get rid of you, only to then employ someone else to do your job after you've been made redundant. If your employer was to do this, this would be evidence that there wasn't a real redundancy situation after all. Instead, any person hired after you've been made redundant might provide you with evidence that you may have been unfairly dismissed by means of a fake redundancy process. However, it is important to bear in mind that it can still be a genuine redundancy if someone moves into your job that you've been made redundant from after their job disappears. Sometimes this is called bumping. And some of the times it can be difficult for your employer to justify bumping as fair. But it has been known to happen and it is seen as an acceptable way of reducing workers in a company. I'm sure you've heard people talk about a reduction in the number of jobs in the pool and there are seven people and only six jobs and people from other departments can apply for those jobs. And you might know somebody who's been made redundant and somebody from another department has come and taken their job. It's that kind of situation and it is known to happen and it is an acceptable way of reducing the workforce. But it must be done transparently. Now, whether your employer is using an individual or collective redundancy process, if your employer is making you redundant, your employer should try to offer you suitable employment within their organisation or an associated company and should consider any alternatives to making you redundant and those alternatives should be discussed with you. If no alternative employment can be found for you, your employer can make you redundant and at that point you'll be entitled to a statutory payment as long as you've been employed by your employer for two consecutive years or more and your payment will be calculated based on how long you've been continuously employed, your age and your weekly pay up to a limit of £560 per week. And there's a formula that your employer has to use. Now, if you want more information about the formula, because it's a little bit long to include in these short podcasts, but all you need to do is... Just post the question on our social media pages and we'll send you the formula. So what I wanted to do was to give you an idea of what's involved in two different scenarios that could prevent you from being able to return to your job. Being laid off from your job and being made redundant are ways of separating you from your job and both require you to examine everything that you're being asked to sign up to before you're separated from your job. Do that and at the very least you give yourself a chance to get advice and support 
to help you to understand the process you're being asked to engage in to separate you from that job. But you also get the chance to get advice and support at the earliest opportunity to challenge any unfair decisions taken against you. And that's it for this week. I hope you find something of use in this week's podcast episode. And remember to let others know that we're here by sharing the podcast information and liking our podcast social media pages so that our information gets out to as many people as possible. Listen in again next week to keep up to date with everything about employment rights and your job. Bye for now.